Welcome back to What You'll Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Mate, today we're doing a very good book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McEwen. Mate, so this is a book essentially that, you know, being busy is not something to be proud of. Having a lot of stuff to do is not necessarily meaning contributing a lot. So there's a big difference between activity and productivity uh, in that you can do a lot of shit, but actually producing good stuff is a whole different picture. Mm. Essentially... Pardon the pun. Yeah, he, um, <laughs> he, uh, he picks apart um, this idea that people, or the stereotype of people walking around an office being super busy, and you know, he really looks at them like they're essentially fucking idiots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. And he says that only once you give yourself permission to stop trying to do everything, to stop saying yes to everyone, then only then can you make your highest contribution to what really matters. Mm. He talks as if when you know the people who are just always so busy, they're Going in a, a millimeter in a million different directions. Yeah. Whereas if you got like the one, if you know what's essential in your life, you can cut out all the other crap. You can just focus on the on the important things. Yes. And you can really make much more progress. Yeah, exactly. And so chapter one is sort of the intro is called the essentialist, and a big thing uh, is a German term <laughs> called Weiniger. Eiber, Besser. <laughs> I reckon that was way off. <laughs> less but better. Nice. So essentially doing less things, but obviously doing them more better because by having less things to focus on, you can put all your energies into one disciplined pursuit. Mm. So he breaks it up pretty good. And this is, um, we posted this uh, diagram on Instagram if people want to check yes. it out. But he, has, he, he talks about the non-essentialists compared to the essentialists. Yep. So the non-essentialist is the person at, at your corporate office who thinks they're super important because they're yep. super busy. <laughs> but they react to what is most pressing, says yes to people without thinking, yep. tries to force execution at the last moment. Whereas the essentialist pauses to, to discern what really matters, says no to everything but the essential and removes obstacles to make everything easy. Yeah, nice. There's a big difference between feeling like I have to, which is what a non-essentialist feels, whereas I choose to is what an essentialist does. Yep. And so basically you're saying that the non-essentialists, a big problem is that if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. And there's a, I really like what he talks about is the paradox of success in that the phase one is like you're really clear, you have a disciplined pursuit, you do really well at it and you achieve success. That's phase one. So that's good. But then phase two is when you have success, you get the reputation that, oh, this guy's really good. He's the go-to guy. Oh, good old Adam. He'll, you know, he'll always get it done. And that's phase two. So you get more options, more opportunities. Phase three, you got so much shit. You feel like you know everyone's liking me, so I'm going to keep doing more and more and more. Everyone's asking me to do stuff. You got this diffused effort, so you're actually not achieving that much. So then phase four is detra- distraction from so much stuff that you actually lose the success that you had in the first place, and you'd be, be seeing this guy who's always late. He's never finishing what he starts, mm. um, and essentially, the being successful can lead to failure <laughs> because <laughs> you just right. get more and more stuff. Yeah. So one of the biggest issues with all this is that our society at the moment punishes good behavior, mm. which is saying no. Yeah. So it's really hard to say no, and it takes a lot of balls, but society at the same time rewards bad behavior. So saying yes, um, it feels great in the moment. Yeah. If you say no, it's kind of, it's really awkward. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because feeling, saying yes, you become popular or well-liked or you're doing someone a favor, but yeah. The other thing he talks about in the intro is, in the 1400s, the word priority was made and it's a singular thing that's your main focus. It's the number one thing you do before anything else. And so he says for 500 years, everyone had a priority. 
But in like the late 1900s, it became pluralized to priorities. And so there's no such thing as priorities. It's just meant to be one thing that you do first. You can't have pri- multiple priorities. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But that's what everyone's got. Oh, mate, there's, there's multiple businesses out there, I'm sure, who has you know the list of their top 15 priorities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. It's just a crock, <laughs> absolute crock. Yeah, so, it goes through, so the book is part, yeah, four parts. Um, and so part one is essence. And chapter two is all about choosing. Yeah. So with that... Um, he says that the assumption that most people has is you have to do everything. Like everything is important or you can do both. Whereas the core truth is that you have to choose things. You can only do a few things that matter yep. and you can't do everything for everybody. That's right. It's all a choice. And he says, actually, I like this. Sorry, man. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. I like mm. that one. Yeah, it is an awesome one. Um, we're well, speaking to Greg, so we'll hear a little bit more about his story when he's on. But for him, essentially, he was... We're saying all the same today. <laughs> I don't know why. It's slipping in there. Yeah, it's slipping in. But he was a, at law school and... One day he decided to write down all the things he wants to do in his life. Mm-hmm. And what he found was interesting was that law school wasn't one of them. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things. So he said by refusing to choose not law school, he actually chose law school. You refusing know? to choose? Yes. Yeah. So you're going to choose that. not to do things. Yes. Otherwise, you know, you're going to... Because it's very rare for to question what you're doing. Exactly. And the way that the essentials yes. is essentially questioned. Because he was already in law school... He had to choose to not be law school. If you didn't make a choice, he's, yeah, I get you. Mate, the other thing that he talks about in this chapter is learned helplessness. And there was like a, a sad story about this test they did on German shepherds. They put this um, harness on German shepherds and gave them like electric shock. And some of them, there was a switch. If they hit the switch, it turned off the shock. And there was some of them where they hit the switch and nothing happened. So they kept getting shocked. Mm. So essentially the German shepherd learned. And then they, did a, they moved them to a second thing, whereas if they were standing on one tile it shocked them if they moved to the tile next to it they weren't shocked mm-hmm. and so the ones who initially had the switch to stop it were able to realize i can stop this by doing something so they moved to the other tile whereas the ones who the switch did nothing they had this learned helplessness and they thought there's no way i can stop this so they just like sat there and just copped the electric shock yeah mate that's so very relevant up. to oh totally but yeah but very relevant to people in their careers so at exactly. the start you might think especially at school you might think you've actually got choices about this which you do yeah and you always do yeah but eventually you get in this rut um, for yep. a lot of people and you get this learned helplessness that you can't get out of this situation, but you yeah. can. It all just comes down to choices. Yeah, exactly. And what he says is that you can't give away or it can't be taken away the power to choose, but you can forget it. So that's what you were sort of saying that you know, as an employee, you can forget that you've got choices. Yeah, he's got a pretty epic sentence here. He says, drip by drip, we allow our power to be taken away until we end up becoming a function of others' choices. Oh, yeah, you don't it. want that, do you? If you don't choose for yourself, someone else to choose for. Yeah, you. the next part, man, was was discern. So this is chapter three. The unimportance of practically everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's all about distinguishing the trivial many from the vital few. So it's like the 80-20 rule that only 20% of the things you're doing are going to give you 80% of your outputs. Mm, you got to think, where, where is the point in which doing less but thinking more it actually produces better outcomes. Exactly. So a lot of people just go busy, busy, busy and just work yeah. 14 hour days just in this yeah. route of rush for fucking, I don't know, 60 years. Yeah. <laughs> Miss but out they're probably on not doing anything, yeah. And they're not really doing yeah, anything. Yeah, exactly. So the point, you know, um, you got to take a step back and we spoke yeah. to Dan, yes. Ariely, and he was the one who yes. also said, you've only got like probably one hour if you really think about it, yeah. it's productive in the day. So yeah, exactly. you're better off maybe leveraging that the most and choosing the right things to work on. 100% spot on. Warren Buffett says he owes 90% of his wealth to only 10 investments. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the things that you don't do are just as important as the things that you do do. Yeah. yeah. And it's all about creating the space to 
to so just quitting and deleting yep. all the other the bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Cutting away the clutter, and we'll get more on that chapter later. Yeah. So chapter four was trade off, and they're saying, "What problem do you want?" It's it's just a really bad idea to try and straddle and try and do everything, keep all your options open, but everything you do is then half-assed. So you need to realize that by doing one thing, saying yes to one thing means you're not doing another thing. You're saying no to something else. Mm-hmm. And you just got to realize that everything's a trade-off and you got to decide which of these do you want to do and which do you not want to do. Yeah, and it comes back down again to the choice. So as painful as it may be, trade-offs represent a significant opportunity because the things that are important, you can put all your effort and energy into yes. that. And the important things, um, you know, get real successful outcomes. Yeah. And he tells a funny story about how he was like, I don't know, working, consulting with a CEO and the CEO said this company, we've got 18 vital projects that we have to do. And Greg said, that's ridiculous. Cut it down to five. Mm. And the guy said, cool, give me two weeks. I'll cut it down. He comes back two weeks later. He says, cool, we've cut the list down. We've now got 17 (laughs) vital projects. (laughs) Mate, there's a, I love it. There's a, there's a good sentence here, which summarizes this chapter pretty well. He says, Essentialists don't say, what do I have to give up? They say, what do I want to go big on? Yeah, nice. That's sick. Mm. And that's, yeah, exactly. Um, part two is explore. And chapter five is escape. And that, you know, you need some time out to think and plan these things because it's easy to be always distracted, always stimulated. There's always something to do. You're always on call. But if unless you consciously step away and say, this is a break time, this is time away to plan, um, then it's going to be impossible. Yeah, and you've got to consciously create the space in your life. So you yep. actually put it inside your calendar and it might even just be on, on the train where you're... Because yep. at the moment, it's common, and I'm guilty of this as well, where every bit of space you get, you chuck in your Spotify or you, yep. you listen to a podcast or you, you know, all day, it's just go, go, go. And you never really have time to sit there unless you're planning meditation. You get that a little bit as well. But yep. um, you never got time there to actually think and yep. let your brain actually just go on some pretty cool tangents. Yeah, exactly. And that's really the only way that you can go away and decide some of these things. Yeah. He said that focus... So if you think of the word focus, it's a noun in that you can have focus, but he also said it's something you have to do. It's a verb as well. So you need to consciously choose to start acting uh, with focus in that you have to focus in on some things in order to get focus. Hmm. Does that make sense? So you need to make the verb focus to get the noun focus. Mate, just, <laughs> you my, my brain is cooked. <laughs> Um, but basically he's just today, saying mate, that, you know that. <laughs> he says that we um we never feel bored anymore so it used to be like you go to the doctor mm. they've got some shitty old magazines you flick through for a couple of minutes but then you just got to sit there bored for 10 minutes so the doctor calls you yeah. whereas now you just always got your phone just scroll or you got a text or you can call someone there's just we're never actually bored anymore there's never that downtime mm. he, uh, after reading this i would have thought boredom's a good thing yeah no exactly just a little bit of boredom in there correct um chapter six was look see what really matters um, basically says that, you know, in order to identify what's truly important, we've got to look pretty hard and ignore the minor details, but look at the big picture. Totally. He also talks about embracing the wisdom of your inner child. Yep. So as you get older, you start thinking play is trivial. Yeah. And people who are playing are just, just idiots. Really. Yeah. You, you know, you need, you need to get back to the office and get fucking yeah. work, work, work. And, um, but yeah, it, <laughs> so he, even the CEO of Twitter, he says, promoted play through introducing improv. Yeah, and I've, I've said on this podcast before, I'm a big fan Improver. of improv. I've yeah, done a nice. few, few workshops, but it forces people to stretch their minds and think more flexibly and unconventionally, yeah. and unlocking the the creative side of the brain as well. And play is also like an antidote to stress. So stress like closes you down, whereas play opens you up. Yeah. So that was chapter seven was play, and then chapter eight is sleep. 
protect the asset. Essentially, the, the non-essentialist thinks, oh, if I just stay up an extra hour, I can do one more hour worth of productivity. Whereas the essentialist realizes that that's just going to kill you for the next day. So one extra hour of sleep will probably make the next four hours that you wake up more productive. Yeah. yeah so, much yeah. better. Sleep's starting to come popular. Oh, I yeah. There was a period because everyone's just like listening to Tony Robbins and stuff. And Gary V. And Gary V. listening to three, you know, three to four hours sleep. Yeah. Starting to make a comeback. <laughs> yeah. Which is good. Now, sleep's coming back, that's for sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the next was select, which is chapter nine, the power of um, extreme criteria. And he talks about Derek Sivers' Hell Yeah or No, which was our very first episode, um, Anything You Want by Derek Sivers, saying that it's either, it has to be a definite yes. It has to be a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. If it's an eight out of 10 or less, mm reject it make it a zero out of ten because you have to say no to the things that are only just a maybe yeah you're better off having that bit of space in your calendar yeah so the, the non-essentialist says if my manager asks me to do the work i'd do it yeah <laughs> no matter what you're a little bitch oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bitch <laughs> and the essentialist says says yes to only the top 10 percent of opportunities so you need yeah. to have the some kind of cutoff criteria and, yeah. and in the book it's it's kind of like having the burning the burning yes about the important things and it's yep. easier to say no to all the other other, yeah. other jazz. That's awesome. Um, tough to do, but we'll sort of get into that a little bit. Where part three was eliminate and that chapter 10 is clarify. So make one decision that can make the next thousand decisions for you. And he talks about having an essential intent. So he's got a, a spectrum here. Let me just quickly flick to page 125 that you got on the vertical axis bland versus inspirational and then on the horizontal you've got general versus concrete so things that are general and bland are like your company values like oh you know we i don't know some fucking vague i'll go on for you profitable yep. growth through superior customer service <laughs> yeah, innovation go. quality and commitment <laughs> there you go Another exactly. one, yep to be a leader in every market by benefiting by benefiting our customers it's just it's Mate, these are people getting bullshit. paid 500k <laughs> a year it's just general bullshit crap yeah. Um, you said that the next one, you could have bland and concrete, which is quarterly objective. So it might be like, let's make 5% revenue growth. It's like bland as, but it's more concrete. You can have inspirational in general, which is like a vision or a mission, but the big papa is inspirational and concrete, which is your, uh, your essential intent. Um, and that's what, you, that's what you really need to get to. Something that's inspirational, but also concrete. We yeah. know exactly what it is. So without this purpose or clarity, people in the business are going to start playing politics. Yeah, because if there's it's unclear the game what the the company's trying to play, they can yes. just start playing their own games. Yeah, oh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and it's sort of like he's saying that once you've got this, you make this one decision. What is our essential intent? And then it stops all these other decisions you have to make. And that it's a clear yes or no. Like it's not then taking on a brand new client, even though they're going to make you a lot of money, but it goes against your essential intent. Mm. Um, do you have any examples of that? Of, you know, taking on a new client for money as opposed to... Well, yes, I do. Oh. <laughs> of course I do. Well, the company, the old company I was at, WSP, we were involved with, with um, Carmichael Coal Mine. Yeah. It's a Dani, which is going to be 75 million tons of coal a year. <laughs> it's going to translate to about one, half, one to one half percent of the world's emissions. It's just, it's just absolutely staggering. It's yeah. going to fuck the Great Barrier Reef yeah. and so forth. So it's just another one of those. And, it, and you know, I don't want to digress too much, but <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just one of those where... The company is obliged to shareholders. Yes. And because of that, these values, what they spruik is just essentially a crock of shit. Yeah. They can make a hell of a lot of money, but if their essential intent is sustainability, then it's obviously way, way, way off. Yeah. Um, so they should read the next chapter though. I think they should. <laughs> exactly. Chapter 11 is there <laughs> and it's the power of a graceful no. So is this it? We need to say no, but it also takes a lot of courage and it's tough. Mm. Very tough to say no. Yeah, so the, without courage, the disciplined pursuit of less 
is just lip service. Yeah, exactly. Just a croc. Yeah, absolute croc. So he says that um, some of the ways, some of the things we need to do, we need to separate the relationship from the decision in that we're not saying no to the person. We're saying no just to this situation. We don't actually have to use the words no. We have to focus on the trade-off. And we also just have to remember that uh, saying no often means you're sacrificing popularity for respect. So he says that if people see you as not this little bitch who'll do anything, then they're more respectful of your time and they'll only come to you with really important stuff. Totally. I reckon it's, it's tough to do early on, but yeah. we'll ask Greg how, you, how we're meant to do Mate, it. I reckon you could, you could say a few no's a bit more better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll, <laughs> we'll say, a few ideas here. A, so he says there's eight ways to say no. So the first one is the awkward pause. So if someone asks you something... Just make it awkward. <laughs> just make an awkward pause. pause. Maybe look at them. And and what's the hope? The hope they retract it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a mate. That's a high risk, I reckon. <laughs> mate, I'll, we'll just, I'll just go a few. Yeah, a few some of the like. better ones. Um, number two is the soft no. So it's kind of like a no, but yeah, so you, yeah. Still... So you can give some kind of alternative where you're both happy, sort of. Mate, number six, he says, say it with humor. So like, say no jokingly. Joking is a high risk because you yeah. can seem like a dickhead. You get punched I've in had, the face. I've had someone the... give me a. a no with humor, but it just oh, didn't fucking, work. They've read this book yeah. and then just got the wrong advice. Yeah. And the next one, say another one, say yes, but what should I deprioritize? Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah, if your boss comes to you and say, hey, can you do this? Say, look, you know, I've got all these things on. Which of these should I replace De- it? Yeah. Which one of these do you want to get damaged? Yeah, you exactly. Can't take on everything. You can't do everything. Mate, that's a good one. And the big puffer I really like, yeah. and this is a bit of 48 Laws of Power in here as well, I can't do it, but X might be interested. <laughs> <laughs> just handball. Get the, uh, what is it? What's the law? Can you just get the... Um, Get the praise for the work, but yeah. let the peasants do it for do all, what is, <laughs> Let all the peasants do all the work and then get all the praise. Oh, something like that. Yeah, it's funny. It's, mate, chapter 12 was, I reckon, my favorite chapter because it pulled from a lot of other things called Uncommit. And he talks about the sunk cost fallacy, the endowment effect, and social proof. So the sunk cost fallacy means it's hard to give something up if you've already invested a lot of time and money into it. Yeah. But you have to basically ignore that. You have to stay... Right now, is it worth investing more time and money into um, and ignore what's gone before you? And it probably goes into the career thing again. If someone's, say, miserable in their career, they might mm. think, oh, but I've done all this university, I've spent all this money, I've got you know, X, Y, and Z and 10 yeah. years investment. Even though they're miserable, but just because they've invested all the time, energy, and money, yeah, exactly. they, they have to stay because there's yeah. some cost policy. And it sort of ties a little bit into the endowment effect as well, which we've covered in a bunch of other books where we overvalue what we already have or what we already own. And so it's like saying there was like a, a study, which I think was in Thinking Fast and Slow, where it's like, how much would you pay for this mug? And it's like some people, they're like, here, here's your mug. And they say, how much would you pay to buy it back? And they say, it's seven bucks. Whereas someone else looks at it and they're like, how much to buy this mug? And they say, three bucks. <laughs> so just because you already own it, you feel like it's more valuable. So you've got to try and imagine you don't have it already and try and think, how much would I pay for this to get it? Hmm. So that's sort of the trying to combat the endowment effect. Yeah, it's good stuff. So the non-essentialist in this situation would say, why invest now when I've already invested so much in these projects? Mm. But the essentialists will say, if I weren't already invested, how much would I invest now? Yes. And what else could I do with this time, money, or energy if I pulled the plug now? Yeah, that's phenomenal. Um, social proof as well is just saying that because everyone else is doing it, you feel like you should. But I like the zero-based budgeting. So what accountants do, they're like, cool, this is everyone's budget from last year. Let's use this and tweak it a little bit to make this year's one. Where he's saying that, what we should do with our time is not say, cool, so every week I'm going to have five hours at the gym, I'm going to have eight hours watching this TV series and I'm going to have this many hours at work. You need to essentially start from zero and say rather than starting with what you've already got and trying to adjust, start from scratch and think which of these is actually essential, which do you want to do and add those in rather than trying to adjust. Love it. 
Yeah. Man, the next the next chapter was sick as well. I thought chapter 13, which is edit, very small chapter, but I lo- really liked the quote at the start, and it kind of says what the book's all about. By Michelangelo, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. Wow. That's good stuff. Yeah, nice. So he says like a good filmmaker makes it hard um, to see what's not important because she eliminates mm. everything but what actually absolutely needs to be there. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and no, I like that. Yep. So the non-essentialist thinks making things better means adding things. Mm. Well, the essentialist thinks, you know, you got everything in your life now. What can I just minus and take yep. away and keep cutting out? Yeah. Just so you're just left with the, the bare essentials. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Mm. So the next man was uh, fourteen. Limit the freedom of setting boundaries. Mate, there was a. I actually, really, I think there's some people um, that really need to read this chapter uh, in talking about problems and that don't let other people's problems become your problems. Um, for multiple reasons. One, I think, is sort of like seven habits of highly affected people, that circle of influence versus a circle of concern. If someone else has got a problem, if you can't influence it, don't be concerned by it. But also he talks about robbing people of their problems in that sometimes by you helping them with their problem, you're robbing it from them and that they don't then learn how to fix it and then they might just repeat the same mistake again. So try and set these boundaries between your problems and their problems. Mate, most people won't try and learn how to fix it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Blame the government. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, but he talked about here like if you've got a – if you're annoyed that your neighbour never waters their grass but if your sprinklers water his, then he's never going to learn that his grass has gone brown because it's always green. Yeah. I don't know, that's what he said. Yeah, no, I like it. It's also probably a good way of um, justifying not helping people. <laughs> that's what I'm look at. You can probably, probably look at a bum, walk past a bum at Flinders Street. Who's, you just know, think, oh, that's five degree, problem. Exactly. Five degrees weather, just freezing Jesus. his balls off and Ash Show just walks past. <laughs> nah, mate, you're going to... Solve your own problem, Solve your own problems. Otherwise, you'll make the same mistakes. bitch. <laughs> Chapter 15 was buffer. And we're into part four, execute. Yeah, execute. So... Give me six hours. So it's a quote from what's his Winston Churchill, I think. Give me six hours to cut down a tree, and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. And he talks a lot about the planning fallacy by Daniel Kahneman. Yeah, again, thinking fast and slow. And he says a way to combat the planning fallacy is to just add what 50. Is it, mate? Uh, essentially, just obviously underestimating how much time things <laughs> yeah, will take. Yeah. So to combat that, we add 50%. So if you think you're going to have an hour meeting, schedule an hour and a half. If you think it's going to take you 10 minutes to drive somewhere, leave 15 minutes early. Mm. Add an extra 15% to your time Especially estimates. if it's a new project, you, you yes. can be way out. Yeah, double it if it's new. That's triple on the book. It. That's yeah, <laughs> Triple it. <laughs> Maybe we're going cowboy on that. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, 16 subtract. Mate, I like the quote at the start of this one from Lao Tzu. He says, to attain knowledge... Add things every day, but to attain wisdom, subtract things every day. So yeah, damn, mind, just get rid of it. Yeah, and progress. And he talks about progress, saying focus on the minimum viable progress. Yeah, which is obviously similar to the minimal viable product, which we always talk about. Yeah, so celebrate the small wins, and he says like a carrot of celebrating the wins is better than a stick of punishing the. Um, negatives and then he also talks about the minimum viable preparation in that there's never going to be a perfect time you can't wait at home until all the traffic lights turn green before you go you just got to have that minimum amount of preparation and get started yep. don't wait for everything to be perfectly ready don't be a perfectionist yep. that's that's huge and it comes up quite a lot um yep. maybe yeah i'm close slowing down yeah flow the genius he talks about routines um, focus, he talks about thinking about what's important now. He talks a lot about like sort of the power of now sort yeah. of stuff. There's no past, there's no future. 
um, he says that there's a big difference between multitasking and multifocusing. So mm. he says you can do more than one thing at once. You can wash the dishes and listen to a podcast at the same time, but you cannot concentrate on two things at the same time. So you've got to figure out what's most important now and focus just on one thing. Absolutely love it. He says it's mind-bending to consider. It really is. It's mind-bending to consider um, in practical terms all we have is now. Yeah. It's actually true. That's that's all yeah. we've got. So uh, you could get a Lambo or whatever, but <laughs> essentially all, all you've got is the present moment. So when you're in the Lambo, it's how you appreciate that moment. Yeah. On, and you, so you don't really need to get the Lambo to actually start yep. appreciating it. So... And being an essentialist is a lot about being present rather than being the busy little bitch running yeah. around. <laughs> exactly. Basically, just get the future out of your head. Stop concentrating on the future. Focus on the now. And then the final chapter was B, the essentialist life. Basically, as an essentialist, you've got more clarity, more control, and more joy in the journey. Yeah. So, beware the barrenness of a busy life, he says. And um, I like the, the way he closes, but it, being an essentialist is, is best illustrated by a lot of the little things. So... And again, it's back to those choices. So choosing not to watch television yep. when traveling in business so he's got time to think and rest. Choosing to spend a whole day on the priority, mm-hmm. even if you're knocking out all the other stuff on your to-do list. Um, or choosing to push back a work deadline so yep. you can go camping with your children. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, nice. Uh, we'll speak to Greg and get some more. He's got a, a not a good story, a bad story about sort of the, oh, the moment he realized that he's got things all wrong. So yeah. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing that one. Uh, but it's a good book overall, man. I think it's important that we can't do everything. Don't be an essentialist. Don't be proud of being busy, busy. Oh, I've got so many meetings yeah. today. I've got so much to do. Because um, you you're probably just not doing that much good stuff. You're just doing a lot of stuff, yeah. which is a big difference. Yeah. I think people hit a, a point, a ceiling. Busy people, I don't think, get to the next level of mm. success. They hit maybe the middle management level. Yeah. And then they don't, they don't get past that, in my opinion, or what I've yeah. seen anyway. I'd agree. But yeah, I think it's potentially one of the biggest paradigm shifting books for some people out there yeah. if they got their hands on it. And it's the yeah. first time you've heard of this kind of philosophy. It could blow your mind and completely change your life. So if you're listening to this and you haven't really thought about um, what we're talking about now, buy the book and it's yeah, have absolutely a huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Song time? Yeah. Sensual oils. I'm a busy, busy man. I'm very, very important. I got lots of things to do and lots of meetings and I am so busy, 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 boy. Now walking down the office with a puffin in his hand and he's coughing in 14 hours and he never sees his kids at night. Instead, you need to be an essentialist. Take some space and make some choices about your life. Oh, yeah. The essentialist cuts out of his life the things that aren't just important. All is left are the things that he really wants to get done in his life. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. Gotta say say some things, yes. But most things you gotta say no, no, no. No, 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 no. No, Busy, busy boy, just say no. Busy boy, just say no. Busy boy, just say no, please. Please say no for your kids. Your kid's gonna be young for not much longer. If you keep working from day to day, you're gonna miss everything in your life. Boy. How can you say no? Just make it awkward. That's one way, but I'd like to get the little bitch to do the work for you. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Get that little bitch, make him really busy, busy, busy. Give all the work to those graduates oh. And I'll take the credit Busy boy Busy, busy boy Because I'm an essentialist Yeah, yeah I only do busy the boy. good things And make the little
little bitch, do that little little bitch work. Busy, 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 no, no, busy, 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 bus